Perez. Walter makes a run ahead of it. Burkamp suddenly changed pace through the centre. It's Burkamp! That's magnificent! The move, and then this, which left Dabby's ass totally stranded. Hello, and welcome to a Camp Wonderland. We are an Arsenal podcast. If you know, you know. <laughs> My name is Chris, I am your host, and this evening I am joined by two fabulous individuals. One of them is Mr. Rich Cactus Gash. Rich, how are you doing? Not too bad, my man. Not too bad. How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. This is two straight weeks in a row. If you come on next week, you get the match ball. So I know. Who, who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? Don't worry. It's all going to be. It's all downhill from here. Um And look who it is. It's only fuck Ellis. Ellis, how you doing, mate? You're right. Hello, not too bad. I've got a teething and poorly one and a half year old, so it was quite a quite a challenge to get her down in time to do a podcast. But fingers crossed, she stays asleep, and I don't have to dash off midway through this. If, if <laughs> you do, you. we've got we've got the fat man PHAT in reserve in the background if we need him. So don't panic if family first and all that. And uh, I was going well, to make it really almost a drop off in quality from Saliba to Rob Holding, isn't it? <laughs> It's not quite Sorry, that. It's Danny. more like it, it, it's more like sort of Ben White to Thomas Partey right back. It's it's mm-hmm. kind of more that area. We'll touch on that in a minute. <laughs> Anywho, right. Um, thank you as always for anyone who's joining us live. If you're not, go fuck yourself. Um, no, seriously. Phil Mac is in there. Uh, size in there. Boy Tendio, Stan the Man, formerly Noza. All the usual crew. Hello, Canterbury Goon as well. Clock, Clock Orange. I wanted to say Clockwork Orange then. Avon, of course, Avon's there. Hello, Avon. Pete Coulson. You're all there. Hello. Hello. Right. Uh, let's get going then. So, as usual, uh, we're going to chat a little bit about the most recent game and a little bit of stuff around that's floating around the cesspool that is Arsenal social media right now. Yes, we're back there again. It only took a year, everybody, but we're back. Uh, we're going to talk a bit about Fulham first of all, of course. Um, should mention as well, the transfer window slams shut on Friday, so we probably will have to delve through that wasteland as well. But let's start with Saturday. Rich, let me start with you first of all, my friend. So we're not going to sit here and go through goal by goal and the team and all that. just want to get your overview because, as I alluded to on the opening there, it's been a bit messy online this week, hasn't it? There's been a lot of people at each other's throats. There's been a lot of nukes thrown and people shouting over the over the fence at each other. What was your overall feeling as as the final whistle blew on on Saturday? Well, I'm, I don't know if I'm the right person to come to straight off because I, unfortunately I missed the game. I was I was surreptitiously trying to get updates on Twitter and other yeah yeah. <laughs> um, I was I was at a christening, so I'm like surreptitiously trying to find out results and scores and what's going on and trying to judge stuff like say by the absolute cesspool of of you know, right that is Twitter. 
And it just it, it seemed to me like a, a, a like a massive mixed bag. You had you had people on there saying, "Oh, you know that we were we were con- not controlling the game, but like you know we were having like loads of shots. It was going to come, you know, any minute now." Blah, blah, blah. And then you had like the complete other end of the spectrum of people having absolute meltdowns about how terrible it all was and stuff like that. And it was so it was, it was really hard to to gauge because, like I said, I. I I come away everything after the fact, and I've only subsequently seen the the highlights and stuff like that. So <clears throat> it seems to me like that 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 general, like I say, opportunity miss kind of thing, and that we've seemingly shot ourselves in the foot as we have done quite often at home within like the first couple of minutes, kind of thing. Um, I know it was just it was really really hard to gauge, but you, you guys would probably be a little bit better to. Uh, to, to to speak on how you felt during the game because all of my kind of analysis or thought process was all post game, which was a, a little bit more uh, calmer. Agreed. Yeah, fair, fair point. <laughs> Thank you for that quote there, Danny. That that maybe should be the title of the podcast, although it will be will be demonetized <laughs> instantly. Ellis, what, what did you make of it, mate? Because much much like Rich, I mean, as anybody who knows me by now, I don't do streams, right? So I didn't watch it live either. I was listening along to Adrian Clark and and company on the Arsenal player, and it felt to me like a game where if we equalised early enough in the second half, we'd probably go on and get the winner. It would be a little bit like... Because we played Fulham, weirdly. I've got a memories thing on my photos the other day, and Jason and I were at the Fulham game this time last year. And, of course, we won that in the last minute through, <laughs> wouldn't you know it, Gabrielle. But um, it felt like that kind of game. I felt I I, know, I I wasn't really sat here panicking. I was like, yeah, if we equalise, we'll probably go on and win. Hasn't been the best performance. We'll come on to the formation and all that stuff in a minute. But just looking back at the overall game itself and how it was unfolding, how were you feeling about it? Because like, we have to stop giving away these awful goals, don't we? Uh, well, I did stream some of it, but it was whilst wandering around my local city. I think I was in Primark connected to their internet at one point, so it did keep cutting out while I was pushing Tallulah around in her pram with the camera sort of positioned like that. So it wasn't the best view and I wasn't paying full attention. I think I, I completely missed, obviously, the the first goal considering how quick it came on. So by the time I'd actually found a stream... Uh, to use I'd I'd completely missed that but obviously I've I've looked back at it and seen it now I I wouldn't say I was overly anxious and to be completely honest with you once um, Nketiah got the got the the goal that at the time put us ahead I sort of switched off and thought well (laughs) that'll be it then we'll probably just see this game out so that that shows sort of how confident I was at the time It, it, it was just one of those things I think we're not quite really there yet and from what I did see it sort of has followed on from the the, the first two games of the season I don't think we're quite settled um, in the system that we're trying to deploy there and I think there are some some rust, still some rustiness there there's obviously players that are or key players that are missing that Arteta is trying to get in and obviously we've been unfortunate with the timber injury as well which has seen Four players, I want to say, played that left back position in the last three games. Now, yeah. So, I, I wasn't overly nervous. To me, it's it's more a frustration 
if you know what I mean, I thought I thought we'd probably win. I think nine times out of ten we probably would win that game. If you look back at the the XG, I think Arsenal were just over three and, and Fulham hadn't even got up to one on the XG at the end of the game. So I think if we were probably better at finishing, it probably would have been a more comfortable win. And it felt like it was going to be, but obviously it wasn't. Just just sticking with you just on that point while you raise that, do you feel because I've seen I've seen it mooted on a few different podcasts that I've listened to that if we did hang on and we did win two one, everybody would there wouldn't have been this you know, seismic meltdown that there has been on socials, which I you know, it's, it's Arsenal fans, there's always gonna be some sort of meltdown. But some people have said that. I I tend to disagree, which will come on to my reasons why in a minute, but I I don't feel like we've played well at any point this season yet. Maybe in patches of the charity shield, potentially, which yeah, it doesn't really count, does it? You don't really know what level City we're at, for example. But I thought we played well in patches of that. But all three games, I felt like we've been pretty, pretty poor in stages of each game, if not long stages. Um, and I'm not really on board with that rhetoric that had we won, there wouldn't be all these questions because I just that's just not how I felt. Did you did you feel like? it's the expectation that we should be playing better and we should be winning these games. And now, because we haven't, everyone's lost their marbles. Um, I'm going to sit a bit on the fence, really. So a part of me does sort of agree with you. I think I, I, I still would have questions about the way we're playing um, and the way we have played in the first three games of the seasons. Like I, I mentioned earlier, we, we seem a bit rusty. Our, our final ball, key decisions um, in the sort of the final third and in the, even so in our in our in our in our own half, just look at the first goal that we conceded and, and the second goal, the, the, the individual mistakes and, and errors that have led to those goals. So we're, we're, we're definitely still rusty, if I can say that. We're not 10 out of 10 performing. We're not going all out in, in, in fifth or sixth gear. We're sort of in the, I'd say in the, in the lower gears at the moment. I, I thought and I still think that we performed well enough to, to beat that Fulham team, and we probably should have beaten that Fulham team. And had had we had we Sinchenko not made that error that led to the corner, and had he defended that corner a bit better, and other players in the box defended that, and we come out that with a, a two-one win, we'd I think there wouldn't be as much emotion and clamour that there is on social media at the moment. But like, I think you're right in saying, though, there are still questions to be had. I was listening to the uh, the Arsenal Vision podcast earlier today when I was doing some chores, and Elliot brought up that at one point, and I think he, I, I might be wrong, correct me if I am, um, at one point they said we had 38% possession whilst Fulham were down to 10 men, which yep. is very alarming in my point of view. Hmm. Let them back in. Do you, Let's. Do, do you think? Sorry to, to just cut across. I just want to ask a question. Do you think also in leading up to your what you said, Chris, that we're kind of all, almost misremembering how we played last season? You, you mentioned earlier about the um, when we played Fulham uh, last season, and we just about got that win a last minute, big Gabby goal kind of thing. Do you think we, we're because of collectively how many games we won and how? you know, close to the sun we flew last year. Do you think we're kind of misremembering how easy or how how we struggled in some of those games, do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think I think we are. I think I think there's 
short-term memory syndrome, isn't it? It's one of those. Because didn't we drop points to Southampton last season as well? I think that was where the okay. unbeaten run came to an end. The, the, the thing is, like, I don't, I don't want to be that guy because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just a bloke sat on a podcast. People have every right to have the opinions they want to hold. If they want to lose their marbles, go for it. If they want to be realistic, go for it. But in my humble opinion, as my status is there, we need to calm the fuck down. And we also need a bit of a reality check. We're, we're not, we're not favourites for the title, people. Like, we might struggle to stay in the title race this season. We massively overperformed last season. And I think part of that is what's leading some of the frustration that has leaked out since that Fulham game. Because everyone expects us to do what we did last season. That even in the crowd, I mean, Femi was there. We'll have to ask him when he's next on. But I got the feeling listening to the audio coverage, which does get a lot of the crowd sort of, you know, you can hear kind of the, the atmosphere there. It, it felt nervy and it felt like people were starting to get on some players' backs, which we'll touch on in a minute. And we, we're we almost getting to that, dare I say, that Liverpool fan sort of thing where we expect we should be winning every game, you know. And if we don't, it's a, it's a massive failure. We're, we're not in a title race right now because it's, it's, it's September. It's August the 29th. We've, had, we've played three games. We've got seven points. Should we be looking to win the first three games? Absolutely. Should we have been looking to beat Fulham at home on Saturday? Absolutely. But we can't keep gifting goals because we're already behind the eight ball and then gifting equalisers. And once again, again, we might touch on this in a minute, we did that thing where we did all the hard work, we got in front, and then we just switched off. We're like, oh, well, that's us done. We didn't, as Ellis said there, 38% possession against 10 men, by the way. We sat there and, and invited them on, you know? And it's it, it, that's the bit that's frustrating for me. It's that people just need to just take a step back, remember who who we're competing against, corrupt 115 judges FC, and face the facts that there are other teams. You know, Newcastle, who knows what we're going to get from them. Liverpool completely blew me away because I thought they were dead and buried on Sunday. How they won that game, who knows? Um, by the way, shout out to Jason Tindall. Um, and, you know, Chelsea, they're still buying everybody. We don't know what's going to happen there. We know what we're going to get from City. Exact When they equalised on Sunday, not one fibre of my being thought, oh, City are going to drop points. You knew they were going to win, <laughs> no matter how much time was left. So, yeah, I think we do all need to calm down. And that leads me on to my question to you, Rich. The the experiment, I'm going to call it, the the party at right back thing, right? I said during the game, and I think quite a few of the, the popular bloggers, podcasters, etc., even even media people who normally tend to sort of play the, well, Arteta knows what he's doing card. I think it's universal that we're all now sitting on the same place and saying it doesn't work. We need to stop it. My question to you is, are you slightly concerned that the stubborn version of Mikel is creeping out? Because somebody made a really good point on, I think it was Arsenal Vision, actually. Um, Steve Round has gone. He was often the guy who would be like that voice in Mikel's head saying, you really need to do that. He's now got a very young coaching group around him who don't strike me as the sort who are going to question his methods. 
it's not working, is it? We can all see it. Why can he not see it? Is there a worry for you that he is going back to stubborn, it's Mikel's way or no way? Um, I see. I, I would. I would like to say no. And I mean, this is all of it. Is it's it's all outcome based. Um, you know, because as as Ellis has said in the uh, the what's it called in the, in the fact that you know you take the XG that we had on the weekend compared to the to Fulham game last season, uh, and it's 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 better than what we we've been performing at. And it's it's not like we've been terrible. We just haven't hit the 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 heights that no one expected to uh, last time uh, last season. The only thing that I would say that that kind of that stubborn thing that, that that you mentioned that does make me not fear but kind of go is you know I I remember this is the guy who despite putting in shocking performances each week kept on playing Willian, and it's it's that kind of that I know what you mean that stubborn stubbornness I think as as far as Steve Round goes I think he's still got um who's that guy Albert um is it Steinberg Albert Steinberg yeah. Yeah. AirPods, uh, Al- AirPods Albert. Exactly. So you know, uh, uh, Albie AirPods is still is still there. Um, who I think you know is is <clears throat> got enough uh, uh, years in the game and, and is senior enough to to kind of the if if Arteta maybe you know to give him his counsel and and stuff like that, just as much as as Steve Round um, could. Uh, you know, my my thing about this whole. As how we're trying to get party into the game and 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 try to play party rice and have it for me the the biggest thing that I think is we we didn't do that at all in preseason and then first game of the season bang we we're now doing this kind of thing which is it's that to me is the biggest kind of a, a puzzler for it I mean I suppose like I say as, as long as it, we're not blowing teams away it's always going to be there and you're always going to have that that kind of doubt and that nagging thing in your in your brain um i i I like the idea in theory i i don't like how we're shipping goals because of it that's that's what i would say yeah because if you look at the two goals we've conceded from open play this season the Alanga one and the Pereira one, they both came down that side, didn't they? Almost identical passes into that channel, open space. My my issue is, I'll come to you on this one, Alice. Is 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 this are we are we being harsh on Mikel? Because we've been saying for a few, for a couple of weeks now, this Gabrielle thing is not going away, right? The Saudi group, they're, apparently they're, they've been looking at Varane, they've looked at Gabriel, they're now sniffing around Sergio Ramos, which seems like a more realistic option because he's, he doesn't have a club. Is there a case that maybe this is actually a Mikel decision because Gabriel is maybe the one who might have actually said, Do you know what, actually I'm quite interested in talking because we haven't heard from him. And I'm not saying we should have heard from him because player, you know, it's it, the modern world, players don't come out and say, I'm not leaving. Um, unless you're Sol Campbell and then you come to Arsenal, which was quite funny all those years ago. But um, players don't really come out, right? And of course, when you you interview Mikel in you know in his press conferences, he's never going to give you a straight answer because managers don't these days, right? So are we are we maybe eliminating the idea that it was Gabriel's people who had a conversation with the Saudi group 
it's Gabrielle who said he would go to that meeting. I assume the club gave permission because otherwise that would be highly illegal. So are we maybe putting this on Mikel when we should be looking at the player? I mean, I, I don't get the impression based on his appearance this season and putting the captain's armband on at Palace. Didn't strike me as a sort of guy who, you know, wasn't committed. But is that the other angle we should look at with this? Um, I don't know. I, I'd say we're probably being a bit harsh and Mikel, regardless of this Gabriel elephant in the room situation, I don't know what's going on there. Mikel Arteta was, insists that it's purely a tactical reason. Obviously, like you say, there's there's lots of rumours and stuff circulating around on on social media suggests that perhaps his head has been turned. It, it is strange to have an, like anyone who plays oh, anyone who plays a fantasy Premier League like I do will probably have thought Gabriel was probably our most nailed on defender. He played obviously until he got an injury which prevented him from playing as many minutes. But other than that, he played probably the most minutes as a defender. Um, for us all last season um, so it, it was very strange to be there start, at the start of the season considering he played in the, in the chat shield as well for him suddenly to be dropped from that um, going back to the, the quote-unquote experiment you were talking about as well the reason I think you're being a, a bit harsh is again I'll, I'll come to I'll ask both of you what do you think the reason was that we failed to win the Premier League or one of the reasons we failed during the Premier League last season was, Chris? Uh, West Ham and Liverpool. <laughs> I'll just say those two words to you. Yeah. Um, because I think, I, I think ultimately we did bottle it. Like, mm. I know that's the term that people don't like using, but you, you can't... We were clear of City, weren't we? You know, we, we were going into that run-in in a clear position. We knew we probably had to take a point or take points off them over those two games. But ultimately, when it really mattered, we blew it. We didn't blow it as hard as we did the previous season where we really fell apart. Mm. But I think as Phil's just put in the chat there, we, we had a small squad. We had key injuries. Once Saliba went, the Tommy Asu injury was bad, but the Saliba one was key because we never looked secure um, with Blessing Bob holding back there. But we, we just never looked secure in that run-in. And, and ultimately, we... I think we lacked goals at the end of that season as well. I don't, I don't you know, I've, I still think we need another forward option and we'll, we'll come on to that in a second. Yeah. But for me, we, we did bottle it. We did like, and this is what worries me about when you drop points this early in the season and Man City don't, you're already behind the eight ball. Um, yeah. um, we've caught Man United on Sunday. Don't get me wrong. They have looked an absolute shambles, but they've still got points on the board. Uh, albeit through some questionable refereeing decisions. So if we don't win, and let's not forget, our record up there is not good. If we don't go up there and win on Sunday, you think this week's been bad with social media. I, I'm i going to go into a cave for a week if we don't win up there. But that's my answer. What's yours, Rich? What, what do you think cost us last season? Um, the injuries to Tomiyasu and Saliba. Um, uh, the fact that, and then... Too many people got injured all at the same time. You had you had the Tommy Asu injury and the Saliba injury in the same the same game. You then had uh, there was that the, the key game where Party wasn't fit, yeah, and Xhaka was sick, yeah, and um, we just we didn't have the squad 
um, to deal with it. And also, you know, like even though we were in the clear, uh, we were clear points ahead of uh, Man City, they always had those games in hand. And, you know, you're going, you know, this is a, a young, we were a young squad who were never supposed to be in the position we were in going up against a team that pretty much has two 60 plus million players in each position who were winning the league and doing the travel in second gear. You know, like you said, 150 million, 150 um, charges FC, just, you know, a, a team that has a decade of sports washing and money laundering and, and kind of, you know, uh, uh, financial doping. We're up against that. It, you know, it was always, always going to be difficult and harsh for us. But for me, it was, it, you know, the fact that, that Arteta kind of didn't tr- trust his outer squad so that, you know, Saka is playing every game. And then, you know, by by April, May, he's on his last legs. And famously, as, as Arsene Wenger once said, in the red, you know, um, so we did. And then when we, you did have to bring in all these players all at the same time who hadn't played for months and months and months, they were not not up to it, uh, and not up to the speed of the game, and not up to the speed of what we needed, you know. And I think we just got one one too many injuries for our, our limited squad that we had at the time. Yeah, I'm glad we're sort of all on the same sort of wavelength because that was sort of the, what I was trying to get to with the point that with this experiment that Arteta is trying to change. Like, obviously, there's probably multiple reasons why why we didn't win the Premier League last season, but I think for me, one of the key reasons you both highlighted it is the injuries to Saliba, the injuries to Tomiassi, the injuries to other key players and the fact and Rich has made a really good point there is that he was so trusting on that same eleven for so long that when a player does come in then they're not they're not game ready, they're not match ready, they're not integrated into that system and that tactic. And I think if we tried to do what or if Arteta tried to do what he tried what he did last season and just hope I'm gonna put the same eleven out all through the season, we just won't cope. We've got more matches. We've got well, got the same amount of matches potentially, um, but obviously at a hard level playing in the Champions League. Um, and if we want to go further in the cups, we are going to have more matches. Um, so I feel like, rightly or wrongly, whether this system is going to work, whether it will bear fruition. Again, the, the stats. Again, stats aren't everything. Um, are suggesting that we are creating chances. We're not quite finishing them. Like, like, like I said earlier, the, the XG against Fulham was almost three and we scored two, and the XG against was 0.46 or something like that for Fulham. So it's more down to the individual individual errors, which I don't think are all related to the system that we're trying to implement now. And like I said, I think Arteta had to try and change something to do something, and I think he's going to have to implement different systems. He is going to have to rotate players. I, I, I agree with you, Chris. I, I don't think the, the Gabriel missing out is purely a tactical reason. I think there is something going on there, but I just don't know. We, we won't know mm. until we find out whether they all get more games or not. But I feel we are I, being I, a bit harsh. I think it. I think it's. Uh, I think the Gabriel thing. I don't think it's a question that we're worried that he might leave. I don't feel like that's the issue. I almost feel like it's that again. It's this Arteta kind of sergeant major Mikel thing, where in his mind. The fact Gabriel's even spoken to them means he's not focused on the current job. 
that's how I think it is. And again, that's purely my opinion. But I think, you know, you look at how he's isolated players in the past because they've not been on the boat or in the car or whatever. That's what I feel like it is. The bit that doesn't make sense then is why did he use him off the bench at Palace? Why did he play the Charity Shield? Although, to be fair, these rumours came out post-Charity Shield, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. But it just seems like the thing I really noticed watching back the game in full as I did for my sins last night was when we switched the system, the minute we switched the system, Ben White was like a new player. He was free. He was down that right-hand side like a whippet. He was away. Um, the central midfield looked far more structured. There was a freedom. Like, you could physically mm. see the players go, oh, like that. Like, ah, this is how we play. We remember this. And like They Rich will said, do, won't they? Because they yeah, played at all of last season. But exactly. like, that's what I'm trying to get my point across is that we are going to have to play with different systems in different ways to accommodate the new players because we can't we'll no. burn out again someone will get injured a key player will get injured and we'll we'll be up shit creek without a paddle again so we we do yeah. need to accommodate players like Kai Havertz by potentially yeah. moving things around and it's not going to work and we are going to be a bit rusty but yeah I feel it's probably best to do it this stage of the season and build, build momentum and when it gets to crunch time if we're there or thereabouts then yeah fuck it Put everyone out. Keep the same team. Go to the, the, the system that you know that knows that works. But at least you've left something in the tank, and we're not overloading players like Saliba, overloading players like Party, who we can't rely on. Obviously, the Declan Rice purchase is going to ease some of that burden anyway. But Party has played quite a lot of minutes at right back anyway. But the, I think we're sort of we're a lot of people last season. I can remember saying, "Oh." Mateo doesn't rotate enough. He used the same thing. And now we are rotating. We are changing <laughs> people around and doing things. Yes, I sort of don't really agree that the experiment is working. I, I can almost argue the fact that the first goal that we concede, Saka's almost passing to where a right centre-back should be. Yeah. And there's no one there. And yes, it's a bad yeah. pass because he's passed to no one. It's, I, I'm not saying... To no look, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying Saka's made... A, like, he's got the right to play that pass. He should look up and see there's no one there. But... Partly that is to do the change of the system, the fact that parties vacated that area to push into the midfield, which he's probably been instructed to do because that's what an inverted fullback does. Yeah. But had we not been playing that system, I don't think that goal happens. But. I mean, that, that opens a hole in a can of worms because um, I'm, I'm a bit old school, but in my opinion, just, just open the bin, put inverted in it and shut the fucking lid because I'm so done with hearing the word inverted. Oh, it's just so over. <laughs> and again, like I said on last week's podcast, you know, I don't want Pep Guardiola too. I want Mikel one, Mikel Arteta one. I want us to have our own identity. I want us to stop fucking copying everything that Man City do. And for me, it's like, as again, like Rich and I said last week, find the new thing now, not copy what works for others currently. Find that new thing now. And I'm, I wouldn't be against the idea of rotation. I've got no issue with rotation at all. But don't change the whole fucking system at the same time. It's it's too much. Um, Rich, I wanted to bring up before we go down Havertz Alley, which will be a fun conversation, I'm sure. <laughs> did you just want to did you just want to mention Bukayo Saka? Look, we all love Bukayo. Absolutely, guy walks on water. He was very poor on Saturday, and it made me think. The pass alone, you know, he scored the penalty, fair play, and you know his work rate's always there. You never question that. But he doesn't have competition for his place at all under any 
any circumstance from what I can see. We know Mikel's going to play him 450 minutes every week. You know, he just is. You know, And I get that because he's our best player and he's one of the best players in the country. But is there a risk that we could not only play him into the ground, but also rely on him too much to be a nine and a half out of 10? Because when he drops a six and a half out of 10, like he did on Saturday, and when he does make those errors, um, you know, I thought he went missing for long periods after that mistake on Saturday. It clearly affected him. And when he doesn't have competition, he knows he's going to play, you know, much like the Ramsdale Raya situation, is it would it actually be healthy for us to swap Smith Rowe for Mudrick? I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, but should we should we have been looking to strengthen that position more than just giving Reese Nelson a new contract so that he can play one game a season? Um a little bit yes, a little bit no. You know, iron sharpens iron. You know, if you've if you've got competition there, you know, you're the 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 cream will always rise to the top and you'll you'll get a better player, I think, out of it with with competition and stuff like that. But the the other side of it, you know, all last season Saka didn't have competition for that that side at all. And he was one of the best players in the league all, all season. I I think not having competition on that side I think is more detrimental to him in the the in the amount of minutes that he has to play in in the fact that he's constantly playing 90 minutes he's every game he's you know like so I think uh, um, he's he's is he now equaled uh, Paul Merson's record for like multiple appearances in the Premier League and stuff like that. I think he's so, gone past it now. I think yeah, has he gone past it now? Yeah. So, so you know he's. I think that's more the worry for me is the fact the amount of minutes he 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 um, amasses, and I think the other issue that we have at the minute with this system is you you've kind of broken up that Ben White Saka partnership um with, with Odegaard as well. And I, I think that, you know, that you know, he did a lot of overlapping uh, uh Ben White, a lot of nice integral passing that, you know, slips in Saka and 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 takes you know, it always gives him a, a, an angle or an out ball or, you know, the support and stuff like that. Um I think is I think that's more the reason, you know, like it's I would love for a good competition to come in for, for Saka, you, you know, but you, you'd have to take some convincing to to sign someone to be uh, Saka's uh, understudy, given how many minutes, um, uh, like I said, um, Mikel gives to, to, to Bakayo. But um, yeah, I, I, I know what you mean, but I, I don't have a, a massive amount of, 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 of problem with the fact that he doesn't have competition because I, I, I think his work rate and his mindset, I don't think he's one of those guys who would get complacent, who uh, wouldn't try to improve and be better. I, for me, looking at it uh, um, from what I've heard of him and, and stuff like that about his character and his personality and stuff like that, um, like I said, I, I don't have a problem with him not having competition. But what I do have a problem with is, is the amount of minutes that that that, that kid has has been has had to play um, in such a short chuck amount in, of time. Chuck in Champions League as well, you know, which is mm. not only is it another six games, which in isolation doesn't sound like much, but it's a different level of competition as well, and a different style of football and the travel and everything else. So yeah, 
Mm. No, I'm I'm with you. I, I actually feel like, joking aside, I feel like the Mudrick um, failed deal. I feel like that was the player we were looking at as the understudy because he would have got probably a few more minutes for us than he has got at Chelsea. Um, he's clearly a player who didn't want to go to Chelsea but ended up there. And I think he probably would have... There's a player in there. Like, let, let's be honest. There, 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 is, there. there is definitely a, a player, player in there. He hasn't been developed. Mm. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, unfortunately, it's at the wrong club. But hey-ho. Um, right, Ellis, let's, let's, um, let, let's usher in the box-marked habits. For me, personally, um, I make no secret of the fact I'm a big fan of his. Um, I'm a big fan of... Germany and and Leverkusen Kai Havertz because those two versions of him are very high level for me. I think he's technically brilliant. I think he's a very, very clever footballer. I think he's got a brilliant football brain. I do think he is multi-positional. For me, the problem is not necessarily him. It's what we have expected him to take on in a very short space of time. And I don't think we've bought the right player to use in the position we're trying to use him in, if that makes sense. I think if he's playing the Erdegaard position, I think you see a different player. Uh, I guess the question I, I have for you is how much of the abuse that he's getting, and let's make no bones about it, it, some of it has been abuse and some people need to give their head a wobble. He's played three games. Uh, I'm not really interested in the stats of ground covered and all that, because to me, that's all that's for the technical nerds to worry about. For me, it's the eye test. And he looks like a player who just isn't quite confident yet and who doesn't really understand the role yet. And he's not Granite Xhaka. And I think we need to stop pretending that he's ever going to be. We've literally taken a key pl- key part of our midfield out and replaced him with a player who's realistically never really done that job before. What is it for you that is polarising opinion? Is it the Chelsea smear? Is it the fact that he has a bit of an Ozil style? Is it purely the fact that he's just not doing what Xhaka did? Or are our fans that criticise him just idiots? I mean, it could be any of those, but what, what do you, where do you stand on it? it? You hit the nail on the head, I think, twice there, really. I think the, the, the problem is, is the fact that he's from Chelsea. Other than... Jorginho, I, I'd probably hasten to say that probably the jury's still out because we just haven't seen enough of him. But I think he's been a successful signing for what he was and how much we paid for him and, and what he's done for us when he has contributed to the team. But other than that, every other Chelsea sort of signing has eventually been a failure and the the, the, the worst one, especially if you're talking Mikel Arteta's reign and when he signed players, is probably William. And, and, and Richard has already alluded to that previously, how much of a mistake and a... And a and a failure that that was. Um, and the other thing is, he has got, like you say, that that languid, Urzel sort of type of play. Now I'm a bit ignorant. I'm not as knowledgeable as you in terms of global football and what I watch. I don't watch other leagues. I mainly watch the Premier League, and I only really watch the Champions League when the when the big clubs are involved. So I hadn't really seen much of. Havats for Germany internationally, other than when he's played England. Um, and I didn't really see, well, I didn't see anything of him when he was at Leverkusen. So I, 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 I can't hark back to that. And I think there's probably a lot of Arsenal fans 
whether they like to admit it or not, are in a similar boat. They haven't seen that happens. Now, when we were first linked to sign him, I can remember posting in our WhatsApp chat and you said, speak to Drew or Drew's in a post here or a blog there or whatever. And I read it and it put my mind at ease a bit about the player that we're going to get. Um, I've watched YouTube videos and I've, uh, I've looked a bit more around and eventually warmed to the transfer. Now, I can understand the point of view of players. Like <laughs> There was a point <laughs> in the game and I did see it when I was streaming where he almost passed the ball out. If it wasn't for Martinelli being on his toes, he would have been on it. And people have clipped some some other clips during the game of episodes and times. So I think he's received the ball with his back to goal. He could have just turned and ran and he just passed it back to Rice or attempts to pass it back to Rice and sets Fulham away on a counter in her own half. So I can I can see the frustrations. But like you alluded to earlier, Saka didn't particularly have a very good game. He's literally assisted their goal scorer in the, in, in the first minute. Um, he's also culpable at the defending corner. You, know, you don't want Saka defending the corner, yada, yada, whatever. He's not had a good game, but he's got all that previous at Arsenal. Well, we love the guy. He's our golden boy. He's our star boy. Even when he does drop a stinker, we've got all those good memories to fall back on. Now, we don't have any of that with Havertz. All we've seen is a community shield game where he had chances and missed. <laughs> we've seen other games in an Arsenal shirt where he's had chances or he's not quite been there. He's been off, offside. And I, I can't disagree. He had a poor game, but so so did others. <clears throat> the 65 million price tag, that's going to play a factor in there. So he's got a lot of things not really working in his favour. So I completely understand people's opinions of him so far. Not necessarily the reaction that is on social media, but we all know what social media is like. I don't know him well enough. I don't know whether Richard does. Um, obviously, you've said that he probably doesn't really suit this role. But taking Granite Xhaka out, who's been at the club, who's been integral, every single manager, no matter what you thought of Granite Xhaka during his time at Arsenal, even when he was playing bad, every single manager had that guy in his and their team and their start eleven, and he had a revival last season. And that's a big hole to fill. Whether Habits is the right man to fill that whether there's some, going to be some tactical um, shuffling to try and not have that loss as much as it, we're sort of feeling at the moment. Yeah, I, I feel sorry for Havertz. Anyone that's come from that Chelsea team, <laughs> confidence is, exactly. going be, is going to be shot. They don't know where they're going. He's been asked to potentially play positions that he doesn't play. I, I think there is a player in there. Again, I'm not educated enough to know that, but my feeling there is a there is a player here. It's just whether the fan base is going to give him enough time to realise that. It's cost a lot of money. Stan made a really good point earlier that you brought up on in the chat that Arteta has paid a lot of money for him. He's on a five-year contract. He's going to have to prove to the owners that he hasn't wasted that money on him. So I feel mm. he is going to play a lot of games and Arteta probably is going to be stubborn because he hasn't got um, Steve around there saying, probably need to pull him out a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be difficult. Right? I'm just. I just hope that he can get a goal sooner or later, or have a good enough performance, and starts to build that confidence. And Arsenal as a whole step up another level. And he, it's not going to be as noticeable. If we're having good games, if we're not losing games, it gives him more affordability to do that. Essentially, but yeah, yeah, no, it's I, difficult. <laughs> I agree with a lot of what you said there, and. I guess what we're saying there, Rich, is winner at Old Trafford, 94th minute incoming, which would be fantastic. But um, if, it, if if that didn't didn't happen or not, 
it does feel a little bit, doesn't it, scapegoaty? It does feel a little bit like with our fans. And again, you know, I have to say when I say our fans, it's not everyone. And um, something that that both Steve and um, our good friend Gunaholic as well, God rest their souls, they always said the same thing, um, and I agreed with them. Social media represents a very small percentage of the paying fan, the people that go every mm. week, and, and also just the people who are not on social media, who've been watching Arsenal for 10, 15, 30, 50 years. You know, not everyone is on social media. And also, even some people who are on social media choose to not get involved in it, which is definitely something that I've been uh, very keen to do for the past 18 months now, where I just tend to step away. And I'm like, I can't be bothered because you can't have a rational conversation with somebody on Twitter or X or whatever. You, you just can't because people are, they form their opinions and that's it. The bit that concerned me on Saturday was when you start getting large pockets of the crowd turning, for me, that starts to isolate a player. We very nearly ruined Fabio Vieira, who we'll come on to in a second. And all of a sudden, he has a really good performance as a substitute and people are calling for him to start. And it's like, hang on a minute, this is the same player that everyone was saying, he's too lightweight, he hasn't performed, he hasn't hit the height, doesn't do this, doesn't do that, doesn't look interested, blah, 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 blah. And now we're doing it again. Why... Why is it that we always have to have this one player, whether it be ex-Chelsea or not? Why do we always seem to have a player that we have to jump on? And linking to that question, how patient do we need to be? Because I don't think taking Havertz out the side is the worst thing at the moment, because he's clearly not very confident right now. That doesn't mean you bury him and that's it, he's done. Like, it's three games, isn't it? It's going to take time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it, it, he's as someone's. Uh, I think it was Avon. Um, some post up in the chat. He's you know he's got those three, three things going for him. He's he's, you know, Chelsea cost sixty five million pounds, and he's he's not played as a number eight, at least not that I'm aware of in 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 a good while. Um, it, it's going to take time. You know, it also doesn't help. He's coming into a new team from the the whole dysfunctional Chelsea nonsense. And also, as I think Ellis said at the top of the show, you know he's playing. He's playing in front of now. This is going to be like four different left backs, is it? Something like that. Three or four different left backs in that left pod. You know, so there's very little continuity there that he's 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 got as 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 well. Um, as opposed to like the scapegoat thing, mate. Every every fan base has got dickhead fans. You know, why would we be any different? Unfortunately. Um, Spurs have got 63,000 that go every week. It's brilliant. I mean, some have got, you know, a much higher percentage of um, in their gruel-covered T-shirts. Um, but it's, um, I, yeah, I don't know why we have to have a scapegoat. And it's it, and it's it's that whole, you know, you've got the whole recency bias, you think, is, you know, um, not that I was writing off um, Fabio Vieira, but I was, I was in the, in the kind of, consensus of you know is Fabio Vieira is he is he right for this league and in what we what we want to do and then like I say he, he pulls out a stormer and I'm seeing people on on X and stuff like that saying that he should be starting ahead of Erdegaard and I'm just like I don't I don't get where is this just for clicks and engagements and and stuff like that I I don't quite understand it but I mean you know, there's there's always going to be players that you know, or people in general, that you know, some of them need a swift kick up the ass. 
you know, there's other people that you need to put your arm around their shoulder. You need to tell them how good they are. You need to indulge them and, 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 and boost their confidence up. And Havertz seems like that kind of, you know, person to me, you know, it, you've got that you know, stick or carrot kind of thing. He seems like a carrot guy to me that, you know, I don't see any good in us slagging, slagging him off and turning against him. Because as we alluded to earlier with the whole the stubborn, uh, stubborn Arteta thing is when we were calling for, for William to be dropped, he played him every bloody week. And Steve Round was there to, to, to try and talk some sense into him, but he still played him. Um, and I, I just, I don't see any point in having a go at, at, at Havertz. You know, it's not his fault that, he costs 65 million. It's not his fault. He gets picked every, every week. Um, I don't think he's been terrible from what I've, what I've seen of the highlights and things I've read and stuff like that. It wasn't, it, he wasn't good on Saturday, but then neither was Saka, you know, neither was a, a whole host of, of, um, of players but I just I don't see the point in getting on his back especially this early you've got to give him uh, give him time to to integrate into this squad properly integrate into this style of play integrate into what Mikel Arteta wants and like you said if he scores a screamer against the Cockney Reds on, on Sunday all is forgiven and we love him yeah, he'll be out for player of the year if that's the case. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And and I also think with someone like like Havertz, I mean, like you say, you, you've coached, you coach your ladies' team. I've coached, obviously, at very low leagues in the league. But you're absolutely right. Some players, you, you, you can't... Yes, you can have rules in place. You know, if you're late, you get fined X, Y, and Z, et cetera. Those rules are standard rules. But when it comes to individual player management, some players need different strategies different styles like you say the arm round or the bollocking you know you you start to learn your levels with how you can deal with that and if you're a you know if you're a player with like Havertz who was really badly treated at Chelsea let's not forget that he was flogged into the ground in a position he wasn't comfortable with um, and basically forced out of the club let's be honest and then you know we've welcomed him in and now within a week we're all sort of turning like imagine how that feels for a player I think probably what he needs to do realistically is he needs to go into dog posting mode. Um, that's all he's got. He's got some lovely dogs, and I think we need. He needs to post more pictures of the dogs. I think that's the way forward. Um, on the flip but, side, sorry, of that, sorry, though, just, sorry, 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 sorry to just interrupt you, Chris. But did you see that that interview with Rob Holding where he said about yes. the, the players actually yep. reading all this shite and and yep. and taking in, you know, what these people are what people are saying and stuff like that i just yeah. i don't see the point in giving him a kick in it's not it's not gonna it's not gonna be good for anybody it's not gonna help at all you're right and and for yeah. every player that that motivates because if that was me somebody said if i hear at work somebody saying oh i'm shit that just motivates me to slap them around and go i'll prove you wrong that works for me but to mm. other people you know who might have an anxious personality or might be a little bit you know unconfident in their surroundings that can finish a player. We've seen it before. We've seen players hounded out of the club before. Look at Ibuwe. Christ, remember that? Bloody hell. Oh, oh. um, <laughs> bless him. But on the <laughs> flip side of that, we, sh- we should mention Fabio Vieira because mm. clearly he is the second coming of Messi now, which is great. Um, 
but that but that in itself doesn't that just encapsulate some of the fan base in that a player who so many have written off um you can see that there's a player there and and to me he does look like he's put on a bit of weight definitely looks a bit more stronger which is going to be key because he was very lightweight last season um just let's not forget Robert Pires was quite lightweight in his first season and he did all right, didn't he? So, but that cameo that just gave us an idea of the player that we've got there, isn't it? You know, we, we, we know about his long range shooting, but that the, to win the penalty was great, but I think anyone in that position would push for the byline and potentially win the penalty. But for me, it was more than that. It was the work rate. It was the fact that he and Eddie changed that game and that pass for Eddie's mm. that cross that's a really good cross. That's pinpoint accuracy. That's not, oh, I'll just sling it in and hope for the best, you know, Kieran Trippier style. Yes, I said that. It, that's a proper cross for me. Um, and it was a really good finish from Eddie as well, who also was quite unfortunate to not start, although I did like Trossard starting and ultimately didn't work out. But does that give you hope that, that Fabio Vieira might have his breakout season potentially if he makes cameos like this and plays his way in? Yeah, and... I was one of those people that were him off. I, I, I'll be honest. I was one of those. I thought it was gone. I thought, again, <laughs> maybe it just shows what the, the sort of fan I'm. I'm not. I, I find myself agreeing with a lot of the stuff that I see on social media. Again, like what you say, Chris. I just find myself not wanting to voice that opinion. I'll moan and I'll bitch as much as I want in in our WhatsApps chat because I know that's not going to be on the internet. Isn't going to be seen by players. Isn't going to seen by be seen by other fans or. Um, fans of my club and then have it held against me when this player either turns out to be good or the player I've been loving turns out to be bad. So I'm, I'm already quite quiet from that point of view. But I, I'll hold my hands up. I'll say I, I I thought, again, same reasons. Thought it was too lightweight. Thought his confidence was dropped. Didn't think he suited the Premier League. And just thought he probably would eventually end up leaving. But again, a 20-minute cameo or however long it was when he came, so it comes on a sub, no matter how good it was, is just that. He needs to show that on a more regular basis. I'm, I'm not getting carried away, but it's good. Whatever way you look at it, it's good. He's got two assists. He's come on, he's changed the game. And we couldn't have really said that about him at all last season. He obviously had a good debut when he scored his goal in the Premier League um, and had flashes where he looks good, I think, in the Europa League from memory. Um, but other than that, there wasn't much to it. So if he can continue to to produce games like this, if we can continue to sort of keep him in games like this, bring him on. Arteta obviously has faith in him. He, like, he might go on to it. He didn't look to the bench to bring Emil Smith-Rowe on. He looked to Fabio Vieira. He brought him on. He contributed. From a Fabio Vieira point of view, that can only be a good thing. I, I think, again, we don't want to get too carried away. And we also don't want to then... Flipping it again, he was in that Havertz position last season. If he then goes and drops a stinker in his next game or his next sub-appearance, don't flip it back to, oh, he's shit, he's too skinny, he's not got enough weight, yada, yada, yada. We just need to be patient with these guys. And again, like like you say, different players react to it. But like Rich was saying, when Rob Holden said they look at that social media stuff. If you're a fan, I just don't see how you think shouting that, even tagging players in it, is going to help or make it better. Uh, again, it might help some people. If it was you, it, it'd help. If it was me, if someone were slagging me off on Twitter, I don't think it would make me get any better. It'd probably make me worse. So I feel I'd probably be in the same sort of boat as a, as potentially Kai Havertz might be or Fabio Vieira. I'd probably just shrink and not perform any better. So I, I just think keep your shit opinions, not shit opinions, keep your opinions on a bad performance to yourself or in a more private setting and try and build the players more up than 
and pull them down. Yeah, but I think I think it's good. We're going to have to rotate more. We're going to have to get players to play. So if we've got, we didn't really have any standout performers on the day. In Fabio, there probably was that, that ball was something you could see Kevin De Bruyne doing in a Man City shirt. That's just pinpoint accuracy. And a funny thing I did find is you could see. Eddie and Ketter was bending his run to try and stay on side. Yeah, when a fucking man because the Fulham player just laying yeah. on the floor, playing everyone on side. But, but that, but that said, you fucking know VAR would have been all about all over that like a trial. Oh yeah, shift of course. To, to yeah. try and rule it out when you. I mean, the referee <laughs> tried to make Saka wait at half an hour before he took the penalty. Not drawing any lines and going, yeah, he's definitely yeah. off and completely ignoring you, the Fulham you know. player laying on the touchline. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm already waiting for the inevitable Marcus Rashford flop at Old Trafford on Sunday because oh, we all know that's God. coming. He's going to be the new Harry well, Kane. He died in the last game didn't he and exactly yeah oh, oh, sorry. but it but it's good old marcus so it's all right you know that's how it works but uh no i i agree with you and um uh yeah i i totally agree with the i know like scott's just put in the chat there like keep your opinions to yourself 1984 much well i think i think you know whilst i get what you're saying there scott if you haven't got uh, when i was growing up i was always told you haven't got anything good to say don't fucking say it and I know that would make social media a very boring place. But as we've always said on this podcast, and Christ, we've said some shit on this podcast over the years, some right, some very wrong, mostly very wrong. But it's not a question of not voicing your opinion, but it's how you voice that opinion and what opinion you voice. You know, there is nothing wrong with calling out players and saying you didn't perform today, because if you were at the ground, you'd probably say far worse, you know, Sometimes I've been at games and I've I've heard people screaming things at players. And I thought, Jesus, if he turned around to you and said, come on, then me and you outside, you fucking run a mile. You know, you wouldn't want any part of it. So um, I think there's there's a difference between slagging a player off and just mindlessly going after somebody for no reason and wanting more. And that's that's the level. And I just think there's a there's a level of class that you can do things. Um, and that's probably what some people could just learn a little bit from. Um, Rich, I'll kind of set us up nicely onto the discussion about another player that I feel we have to open the box as we sort of transition away from Fulham, because moving away from Fulham would make me very happy. Um, the ML Smith-Rowe talk, as we discuss Fabio Vieira and we say, you know, again, he was brilliant at Brentford last year. And then it went a bit quiet. So let's not hang the flags out just yet on one performance. But Ella's made a good point there. When the chips were down, we turned to Fabio Vieira. We didn't turn to Emma Swiss Rowe. We haven't turned to Emma Swiss Rowe on a number of occasions. The last time I can really remember him playing well for Arsenal was probably that Leicester game, I think, away from home last season. The, the Ramsdale save and all that. I seem to remember he was good then. Um, hmm. What I would say is... <laughs> I don't think we're going to sell him to Chelsea. I really don't. But there's always there's obviously no smoke without fire. They've obviously made a, an inquiry. My slight concern with this one is when the talk of him staying came out over the summer, it wasn't coming from him. It was coming from us. It was like Edu and Mikel have decided he's staying. It wasn't like him coming out. Okay, yeah, he came out and he had the tattoo and all that stuff and said, oh, you know, I'm... You know, it's the club of my dreams. I never wanted to leave, etc. But that was after he was basically told, you're not leaving. We had the bid from Aston Villa last summer. The argument I would probably throw here, and I do like him as a thrower, and I want it to work for him. But if he's not going to play, 
and we're not going to give him the minutes, there has to be a question there, doesn't there? There has to be that question of the Kieran question. Well, then why keep him? Um, are we? Am I just being impatient there? Like, should we just wait again? We're three games in. But it is noticeable that he was the one, or Smith Rowe, sorry, was not the one that they turned to. It was Fabio Vieira, as it was mostly in preseason as well. There's, there's something there, isn't there? There's something still not right. Sadly, I have to agree. Um, <clears throat> you know, he's behind Trossard for the Martinelli position. He's seemingly behind Vieira in the Erdegaard position. Um, and he's behind Havertz and Rice in, in that left eight position. Um, I absolutely love um, Emil Smith-Rowe. Like I said, he that guy came in and he absolutely saved Arsenal's season and, and Mikel when he first came in. Um, was it Mikel or was it uh, uh, that, that when he came in against Chelsea um, at a boxing game? And, you know, like the quality, there's qualities that he has that, that nobody, nobody possesses in the Arsenal squad, that ability to drive onto the ball, that ability to, to be in the right place at the right time. And, and, you know, that late run into the box and, uh, you know, picking up the, the spare balls and stuff like that in, in an attacking sense. But unfortunately he has seemingly a, a lot of flaws in his game that Mikel really doesn't appreciate. The the biggest one seemingly his injury record and his his off the ball work can can be a bit spotty. Um and I, I kind of a bit as much as I I don't want him to leave and I don't want us to sell him if he's not getting minutes if he's not even coming on as a sub, because if, if I mean, if you're not going to trust him in a league game uh, against Fulham or against Nottingham Forest, are you going to trust him in a Champions League game? And I say, if, you, if you're not, if you, if Mikel doesn't have faith in him and he's that far down the pecking order, it, he's on like, far too much money to be taking up a squad place and not being used, unfortunately. And it would be such a shame because, you know, he obviously loves the club. You know, he's a Hairland boy. He's been there since he was like, what, seven years old. And we've seen the things that that lad can produce and, and how good he can be at the top of his game when he's fit, when he's involved in things. But it just, Seemingly, it's the, the the manager just is is not seen enough of him in training or in matches that he he trusts him. So if he doesn't trust him, what's the point of keeping him? That yeah, that's how I feel. And and he he was really good at the Euros. And this is where I feel like it's all he was he like... was okay. He was okay at the the Euros again. He was. He wasn't used as much as people no. think that he was. Like Curtis Jones and that got you know got a lot of minutes ahead of him and stuff like that. Give um, right and, and 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 things of that nature. And that because I watched a lot of that because I was I was watching him. And again, he's off the ball stuff. 
his lack of awareness without with the ball when when his team doesn't have the ball, it is quite alarming and quite shocking. And it's 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 the complete antithesis of of what Arteta wants. Mm. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it, yeah, it's, no, no, it's, no, no, it's no you're right. You you are absolutely right. And again, it's it's how two viewpoints can be so different watching the same thing, isn't it? It's like all the headlines would have you believe one thing. And um, my my worry with Emil is, like you say, his opportunity. Do you remember when we had this conversation about Martinelli? And he was like, oh, is he going to make it? Is he not? And then all of a sudden something clicked and he made that left left wing position his own. And now we don't even look back. He just made it his own. And I felt like Smith Rowe was making that position his own when he took the tenure, when he had those that string of goals last season. And then the injury came. And it's almost like he's never come back from that properly, whether it's the fitness, whether it's like he's put on a bit of size now. or But I don't know. And I, and I wonder if maybe we're being clouded by the fact that we want it to work so much, whereas in reality, he's not necessarily the player that, like you say, Mikel maybe wants. Um, all of that said, I wouldn't sell him to Chelsea. Uh, um, I don't. I, I personally wouldn't sell him at all. And it does. It does make you wonder, like, if if he was to go, it sort of makes a bit of a mockery of this whole project youth and you know and all that that we went for. So I, I do feel like the club would have a lot of questions to answer if they did let him go. And although it's a bit late now, I feel like the opportunity to sell him was last summer when Aston Villa had that big bid on the table. That was the time, if we were going to do it, that was the time to do it. And I actually thought he'd go then. So I was quite surprised he didn't. So was it two summers ago? I can't remember now. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely one that will run. While we're on the subject of transfers, um, Ellis, it seems like we are moving a few out, uh, mostly on loan, which is just great. I uh, love a loan deal. Nuno Tavares is off to Nottingham Forest. Poor sod. Um that one seems to have come overnight because he was quite close to Villa last week. I, I heard that from a pretty reliable person who was suggesting he would replace Luca Digne, but that move went quiet to Nice, so it looks like Villa have decided to keep him and that's all switched around. So it looks like he's off to the forest. We know Kieran Tierney's off to get a tan in Spain, the very best, um, because it's Kieran Tierney. You know, he never, did, never put a foot wrong for us and I really hope it, it goes well for him. Uh, Pepe has got a few offers on the table and also Rob Holding looks like he's going to go to sunny Spain as well, by the sounds of it. What's your feeling going into the the the, uh, the window slamming shot on Friday? Do you feel like there's still a few? Sammy Conquer, for example. Um, is there any movement, do you think, coming in? Do you think we could sell a Smith Rowe, for example? I mean, is there going to be one big out is the Gabriel thing going to go somewhere? Where's your feeling on that as we kind of head into the close of the window? Um, I think I think if you've got a radar window, I think depending on what happens in the coming coming days before it, it closes, I think our outgoings have been quite poor. Other than getting a good fee for Granite Shaka, but we spoke about potentially the hole we sort of left there and how difficult it has been so far to sort of feel that. Um, and personally, I think the Balogun fee was quite good. I think we've done done well there. I know a lot of people probably disagree, but there we go. But it's 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 the dead wood 
players, you, like the people you've just brought up, Rob Holding, Pepe, Guarantini, Tavares, um, Sambi Lokonga, we have not managed to get a fee for them. And I, if I'm being honest, I think the club thought they could probably get fees for them and probably thought they probably would have got a bit more outgoings rather than more loan moves with potential options to buy or whatever stipulations they put in the loan moves um, that they are about to secure or have secured. Um, yeah, it's it's been poor. Do I think we'll get anyone else in? No. I haven't really seen anything being linked. I think the club would always be there to do something or something was to arise on deadline day. My only concern is the, the rumblings on with Gabrielle is the fact that our window closes on the 1st of September. <laughs> and I'm pretty yeah. sure their window closes several days Three weeks after away. that. Yeah. Yeah, three weeks away, even worse than I, th- I, I think. Then. I think it's three weeks. Yeah, don't quote me on that, but I think hell. it's mid-September. Yeah. So, it, so if if the reason he's out of the team is to do with these rumours, we've got a fair while before he's brought back into the team, or while we sit there and wait for an impending offer to come in for him. So, I, I do think though, and I think Femi's probably been the most vocal about it, um, that there is going to come a time when we have to sell a player that we like and we don't want to sell. So I could see us selling Emil Smith-Rowe just purely from the point of view that it doesn't look like he's in Mikel Arteta's plans. He goes to other players before he goes to him. So if we can get a, a large fee, whether it be to Chelsea or not, I could see that happening. And if a Saudi Arabian club puts in a significantly large offer for Gabriel, they may well feel they have to or they might be obliged to to take that, whatever that offer may be, what ballpark it's in, whether that's in the closer to 100 million, I don't know. But I think there probably would be a price that would tempt them. And I do think because we've been quite poor in selling the players that we want to sell. But I don't know, it's, it's strange, isn't it? We seem to spend over the odds for players that we want, whereas we can't seem to do the same for the outgoing. Danny's just put on the screen there, 20th of September is the uh, uh, Saudi Arabia well. transfer deadline. So, yeah. <laughs> what, can, you, um, can, you imagine the, uh, can you imagine the fallout if we, obviously with, with what's going on with Havertz at the moment, who we got from Chelsea, if we sent Smith-Rowe to Chelsea? <laughs> can you, just about, I can hear I, like, the meltdowns. I can, I, oh, oh God, that? yeah. Silly things going around on social media earlier today, wasn't there? A, a, a swap deal. Oh, a mid- 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 yeah. Where did that? Where did that rumor come from? I Somebody, don't know. <laughs> some of the one of the big Arsenal accounts, I think, muted the idea that that it was being explored or something. And like, hypothetically, <sighs> would you? Um. I was thinking about it. I mean, yeah, I, I probably would if I'm honest. Yeah, would you? because yeah, mm. again, as much as I, oh God, I'm going to get some flack for that. As, <laughs> as, as much as I, I genuinely do love him, Emil, I, but I love Emil as much as I love bloody Runison. If they're an Arsenal player, I love them. Right, that's how it works. Okay, or well, Runison's not at the moment. He's Cardiff, but you know what I mean. You know, I, I want it to work for for Emil, but if, as Rich alluded to, if we're not going to use him. That then it does seem a little bit silly. Like, and I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, you're getting gone. I'm not saying that at all because I think if he went to Chelsea, he would probably do quite well there, um, and he probably would get games. And you know, yeah, I, I wouldn't like to see it. I would certainly not. I would never strengthen a rival. Never. 
There's a reason Man City let Zinchenko and Jesus go to us. It's because they had replacements already lined up, you know, in, in Alvarez and um, Rico Lewis, wasn't it, who's come through. So they were selling players they knew they could afford to let go to us because they knew they'd always be stronger than us. But you wouldn't catch Man United selling to Liverpool. You know, you wouldn't catch Chelsea selling to Spurs unless it was discard players, which... And I, and I think the only realistic, the only reason we got Havertz was because Chelsea at that point needed to sell players. I don't think it was because they particularly wanted to do business with us. It was, we were the ones in the market. We were the ones that put the money down. But um, I mean, as for yeah, as for Mudrick, I mean, yeah, I don't like admitting it. I don't. But there is a really good player in there, and it's yeah, it's been absolutely hilarious watching him kick thin air and fall over his own feet for six months. But. I, th I think everyone that has seen since he went there, look at his face when he was announced. He doesn't want to be at Chelsea, never wanted to, to play for Chelsea. He wanted to play for Arsenal. Arteta was clearly in his ear for six, seven months. And I think under the right management, um, you know, at the right club, he will be a he will be a baller. There is a player there. So, you know, as I say, I don't think it's relevant, but yeah, I, I do think it'll probably you know, if, if if it came to me, I, I would consider it. Let's just put it that way. Um, Danny's just put on the screen Bukayo Saka's Young Player of the Year. When, when was oh, that? Why is that? When? Today. When? Today. Why are they announcing that was this evening. Why? <laughs> Wasn't it the end of the year? Why is it now? Is this for last season? It's the PFA. Or... Oh. I... It's been okay. going on. Tuba Akpom got a championship. Uh, Player Did of the he? Year. Yeah. Who's oh. now four gone to Ajax, players. of course. Well done, Shuba. Um, Congratulations, Bukayo. Yeah, absolutely. He looks very um, good in that suit, doesn't he? Very Bond. Oh, and there's, <laughs> there's the robot next to him. That's lovely. Yeah, enough of that, Danny. Meat Get that shield. shit off the screen. Thank you. Um, yeah. And there's the previous winners. Tony Adams, Paul Merson. They did all right, didn't they? Nicholas Anelka, he did all right for himself. Sus Fabregas did okay. Jack. God bless Jack. Oh, Jack. I do love Jack. That documentary, by the way, on the Hayland stuff is very good if you haven't seen it on YouTube. Um, Jack Wilshire comes across as a very, very likeable chap if you haven't seen it. Right. Um, just before we take questions, I'll, I'll ask you the same question, uh, Rich. Do you see anybody coming in, going out? I mean, the Balogun figure, by the way, I'm just going to say it now. Told you. Gonna leave that one to just permeate around, just percolate around a little bit. Everybody said we were gonna sell it for 50 million. I fucking told you. Anyway, um I, I, think, I think yeah, the 50 million was very, very optimistic because of yeah, if because the rest of Europe haven't got any money. Um, if that if he was if he was playing for Reams, and is it Reams is how you said everything, and we wanted to buy him, you damn skippy, it'd be fucking 60, 70 million. But the other way around, they don't, you know, European clubs don't have um, don't have the the money. Although I do, I do think feel some of it is a bit a bit poor mouthing, like you know, um, Inter Milan were trying to say, oh, we don't have any money, having just recouped mm. sixty million for um, for Anana. Um, yeah. As far as outgoings go, it's so disappointing that we don't seem to have. That you know, well, I say so, but uh, I don't seem to have that um, that uh, uh, that link to Saudi Arabia that we can siphon off the, the, the players that we don't want that are on 
on big wages the way that that Chelsea have done and stuff like that. Um, it seems that they're able to shift off every single man and his dog over to to, to Saudi Arabia, and yet you know we we can't. I think the other precedent that we've set beforehand of of writing off contracts. I think is slightly coming home to bite us in the arse um, because I, I think I think players like Pepe in that Cedric are sitting on that hoping that we would write them off and there's I mean look I, I'm I'm not the I don't know is it Swiss Ramble with the guy who does all the figures and stuff like that I'm not uh, anyway uh, things of that and know the ins and outs of it but I mean like there's a bit of me that kind of thinks well. If you if you if you write this person off, you're not getting any any wage for it. Yes, you know you're getting them off the wage books, but it's you're you're giving them money. It's not like you're not paying them their wages and not not paying them out their seeing out their contract. So why there's a bit of me that kind of thinks, well, why don't you just okay? Then you stay at the club and you train with the reserves for the year. We can't register you, and you know and maybe that would incentivize their agents to find them clubs to go to. Um, I don't know if that's maybe a bit mean-spirited and a, and a bit unrealistic. Um, but yeah, I'd say it's, it's just all going to be loans, isn't it? Now I can't, I can't see us uh, unless something astronomical happens with Smith Rowe or Gabrielle. Um, I can't see us. Um, I can't see selling anybody. It's all going to be loans, you know, uh, KT loan. Big Bob Holden loan, uh, Lakonga loan. I think that's the, he's another one who I think we had a deal in place to to sell him. I think it was to Forest, and he turned them down. But now he's going on loan to them. Oh yeah, it's all good. Yeah, I'll go on loan again. You know, trying to sit out that that contract maybe. Um, so, you know, Cedric Pepe. Trying to think who else though. So we they're going to clear that. I forgot. I forgot Cedric was still. <laughs> maybe maybe yeah. this is his grand plan. He's just gonna like, he's just gonna sort of wander in one day and go, yeah, yeah, I'm still here, guys. All right, how's it going? Windows shut now. Yeah. Lovely job. Trying, trying to say, yeah, yeah. You see, you're playing a party at right back. I can do that. I, I yeah, promise. Yeah. I swear. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just think it's just it's all going to be loan loan departures now. Um, uh, for, for the for the rest of the window, I don't I don't think we're going to bring in much other bigger because I think it would have. I, I kind of think it would have happened by now. And if, if we were to sell sell the players, I, I think it won't be for big money. Mm. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, if I had to put my put my head on the chopping block, which of course I will, because why not? One in, five out is what I'm saying this week. That's what, that's what you I'm think, saying. You think, you think we'll, we'll, we'll buy someone? I do. Yeah, I... Um... We might buy that guy with the bike because he comes past every week. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I have a, I have a feeling we'll. It might even be a loan deal. I just have a, I just have a sneaking suspicion we might do something on the last day, purely because I feel like we are one short. Um, I would love it to be an attacker, but I need to stop convincing myself of this because we're never ever going to buy a striker under this particular manager. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we bought one in in the, in the defensive zone to. Uh, to just sort of, you know, cover the timber situation. Um, who have no idea. Um, like I say, it could be a loan, I don't know, but I just have a feeling. And as far as five out, yeah, I think um I'm not including Tierney in this because he's already gone, but I think that Tavares, Lokonga, um, Cedric, 
Pepe and Holding will all go. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if I'm wrong there. I wouldn't be surprised if a few stay. Danny's just listing on the screen now some of the players that have gone. Um, and by the way, that, that loan deal for um, Brook Norton Cuffey, was it, to Millwall? I think that's a quite a good loan deal. I think we'll probably see quite a few of the youngsters moving on as well um, for loan deals in this in this this window. So, yeah, should be an interesting uh, deadline day. Before you all ask, we're not doing a deadline day podcast because we can't be asked. And, you know, gone are the days where we actually put dildos in reporters' ears and sign big players. Like, that's that's so, so meza as So we're not going to bother. Um, and yes, Dan, Moel Mo Nene is still in the building somewhere or other. Um, but, but Mo can stay for life because Mo's Mo. We love Mo. So Just leave the leave the Egyptian Perlo alone. That's not no bad mountain. Absolutely. And uh, good news as well. Spurs season is over tonight because they've gone out on pens to uh, Fulham. So uh, that's the end of the season. Um, it's late at night. So, um, yeah, we'll take a couple of questions and then we are going to disappear. So um, bum, 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 bum. I'm just having a look for the questions now. There they are. Um, there's only a couple, actually. So, well, I'll give you one each. Why not? If you have got any questions, uh, make them quick because we are going to make the answers quick. Uh, Rich, Mr. Wobbles asks, does Raya start now? And if so, when? Possibly. I think it might be a good idea for maybe in home games. But, I mean, Ramsdale hasn't really done anything wrong to say he needs to get shot of. But, you know, you've got him in the squad. Why, when you, why are you not going to use him or when are you not going to use him? Um, it might be a good idea. I said possibly in, 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 in although I don't know, thinking on it, it might be actually probably in better away, somewhere where a team would be more likely to press us. And if we needed that, that quarterback style uh, goalkeeper, it might actually be better, better for him. But um, I kind of think Man United is, is, is going to be too big a game to, to 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 make his debut in, but um, mate, we, we bought him for a reason. Why not start him soon? Controversial call. This is Chris's hot take. Um, I think he's. I think he plays the Champions League games, and I think that upsets Ramsdale a lot. Just going to put it right out there straight away. I, I can foresee us playing him in the Champions League, and Ramsdale getting quite pissed off about it. So there you go. Just chucking that out there. By the way, just quickly, that first Fulham goal. I know a lot of people have said that Pereira mishits it, that he actually went to chip it, and that's why Ramsdale made it sort of look a bit like a bit weird as how he dived. I actually think watching it again, I think it's a really clever finish. I actually think he opens his body to almost fake that chip and then puts his foot the other way. Almost like you know when penalty takers aim for one corner and then they roll their foot over the ball and force it into the other corner? That's what I think he did. I thought it was a really good finish, but maybe I'm alone on that island. Um, Phil, who I think is obviously our Phil Macker, but I didn't know that was McHenry. I didn't know that was your name, Phil. But he's asked on Facebook, Ellis, and he said, uh, is it a blessing for us that there's no interlull after this weekend? That there is an interlull, sorry, after this weekend. God, I forgot about that fucking international break straight away. <laughs> uh, but, well, it depends on the result, doesn't it, really? Yeah, it against does, United. Yeah. If, if we lose 8-2, then we lose, it definitely yeah, is. It, probably is a, it definitely is a blessing, <laughs> like you say. Um, but obviously, if we go on and, and, and click into gear, 
as mm. they say, then it would probably be. Mm. It also depends on how many people actually go away with their international teams. I yeah. tend to always see an interlow during a Premier League season as anything but a blessing because mm. our players go away and potentially come back injured. I mean, look at True that. look at the World Cup being played in winter and what it did to our starting striker and how long he missed. So I'd mm. rather not have an interlow at all. But but there we go. So for me, now it's not a blessing, but we'll see. <laughs> I keep forgetting we got Euros at the end of this summer as well, haven't we? Like that's something else to consider um, yeah, at the end of the well. season. We've got a Euros coming up, so players will be pushing for starts there. Um, sticking with you for this question as well, Avon. How would you rate Edu's incomings and sales? Just give it a one to ten if you like. Um, I'll give it a nine for incomings and a five or six for sales. I I I go eight eight six, so I'm not far off. Not far off there. Yeah. Um Rich, what would you give it? Uh, uh eight and a five. Mm. Eight for the incomings, five for the uh, outgoings. We're all we're all in a similar bracket then. What would you need for a ten, just out of curiosity? All of the players, Alice. All, all of, of the players. players. <laughs> yeah, just sign all of the players. Um well, you need to be a Chelsea fan then, really, don't yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> for, for, for me, the straight answer to that is, is a centre forward. <laughs> if you sign a centre forward, then I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that'd be nice. Um, no, I mean, even even just a just just a bloody striker that's a proper striker that's a bit different to what we've got. Something a bit out of the ordinary, you know. Um, the more I the more the more I hear <laughs> of like the Ivan Tony links, the more I do think I don't think he would be Arteta's type because I. Don't think he came across in that interview particularly well personally recently when he was saying that it was a little bit woe is me kind of. I don't know if that would have gone well with Arteta, but yeah, give me a striker. Anyway, uh, final question, Rich. You can have uh, Boyton Dio. Is Arteta even that smart or is he too smart for his own good? <laughs> it's a good question, isn't it? It's a good question. It, it, it kind of goes on to what we were talking about last week about him being sometimes galaxy brain. Um, Judging by listening to what the players say about him, I would say he's he's obviously super smart and he's probably forgotten more about football than I will ever know. Um, let's say you, you hear all, all the players absolutely eulogise about him. I mean, I suppose they're going to, otherwise, you know, you're not going to bad, bad talk to the manager, otherwise you're going to get hooked. Sure. But, you know, you, you look at how, how enthusiastic um, Declan Rice was speaking about him about how much he's learned and 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 stuff like that. So yeah, I, I I'm I'm going to go on the uh, in the he's smart camp. <laughs> yeah, I I I think he I think he's a very very intelligent man, person. Full stop. Away from football, and I think he's an incredibly good coach uh, or incredibly very high level coach. I just worry that there's still a lot of pep in him, and that makes me feel a bit concerned. <laughs> like, um. And and I think maybe he's a bit. Let's put it this way, I I can totally understand why the players who are thriving under him speak very highly of him. I would be very interested to hear from the players that he alienated that never were seen the light of day ever again. That's all I'm going to say, because you know what I mean. If you if you're in under Arteta, you're in. If you're out, you you are out out. So there you go. Um, just before we go, uh, Danny's put on the screen the team of the year. Uh, it is Rams. I don't know why they're doing it now. I can't. Anyway, Ramsdale and goal. Trippier. Tri- Trippier. 
Okay. Trippier at right back, Stones and Diaz at centre back, Saliba at technically left back, um, De Bruyne, Rodri the Cunt at uh, centre mid, um, Erdegaard alongside three up front, which are Saka, Haaland, and the number 10, who we don't speak of anymore because he's German. Good. Excellent. Splendid. Um, little shout out to Richarlison, by the way. Top performance on Saturday, mate. Keep it up. Uh, good stuff. Love that. Um, right. I think that's it, boys. I think that is it. I feel like we have covered what we needed to cover. Um, thank you, as always, to the chat for being uh, respectful and fun and chucking some questions at us. We appreciate you all very, very much. We shall return back to our Monday home next week because obviously there's a bank holiday, which is why we're recording on a Tuesday this week. We do have Man United, or is it Sunday 4 o'clock? I presume it's Sunday 4 o'clock. I didn't even check. I presume yep. it is Sunday 4 o'clock. Yeah, mm. good stuff. So we will be doing a poll on Monday where we will either be very, very happy or the whole world will be burning. There will be no in-between. I mean, there will literally be no in-between. Because <laughs> even a draw, I feel like it will be. There'll be no in-between. So um, please do join us for that. As usual, keep uh, hitting the bell. If you haven't already, do hit subscribe. If you know people, we don't have friends, uh, so we can't tell anyone. But you lot have. You lot are popular. So if you have friends, please tell them to tune in. Uh, and if they don't, just handcuff them and force them to. I mean, it seems fair enough to me, to be honest. Or bribe them. Whatever it takes. Just get them in front of a screen. Uh, but yes, in all seriousness, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Ellis, thank you very much for staying up late, especially with the kiddo. <laughs> Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And yeah, she managed to stay asleep for the whole thing. So Bless her. a win's a win in my book. <laughs> Absolutely. And of course, it wouldn't be a podcast without us telling you to fuck Ellis. So that's that done. <laughs> um and Rich, uh, as I say, two back-to-back podcasts. You are of course welcome back next week, should you be available. Thank you very much for your time, as always. Thank you for having me. You are most welcome. And in the background, the fat man lurks. So Thank you to Danny. Appreciate you pressing our buttons as always. And just so everybody knows, I always thank you, Steve. I always say, Danny, come on. I always say he's always right. And he's like, no, I'm cool. I'm going to sit in the background. Um, Rumour has it. He just doesn't like any of you. But it is what it is. Anyway, that (laughs) was a Burkett Wonderland. We are indeed an Arsenal podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time. Good or bad, keep it Arsenal. Good night. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Get down, dog. Splendid business. He nearly caught the bloody thing. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I've just eaten a full quiche. Well, you don't often see him at him. So when you see him in the supermarket, they need to be swagged. Microwaved immediately and get the brown sauce on one. Bosh, Bob's your uncle. Never in doubt. <laughs>